Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Mike is uh, the director of, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to give you a bio apparently, my wife told me. I'm glad my wife's here to run the church. You can be seated. Um, uh, Mike is the director of our GO team, uh, as you may, may or may not know. Give him up for that. Give it up for that if you would please. So Mike here, um, I don't know where other Mike is, or I would Mike, well, I mean, you're the, other, you're the other Mike, but I don't know where the Mike is, but uh, hey, uh, wait a minute, wait, don't go anywhere, it'll, it'll show up, I, 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 I have faith, I have faith, it's going to show up. So you're, how, how, many people, how many people did you feed this last week? None. Oh, you're right, it was Christmas, but on, on an average week, how many people do you feed? 200. 200, 200 a week, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, that's really good. So 200 people a week you're feeding. Correct. And, and why do you do that? Because Jesus tell said them, so. Tell, tell them. Because Jesus said so. He yeah. said, go feed the poor. Did he say it just like in the Bible or? No, he spoke it. To, talk, like, talk to them. He spoke, like, it, he spoke it directly to me. And he said, go feed the he poor. He said, go feed the poor, Mike. And so, and so we go feed the poor. It's not hard. It's not hard. And so that's it's it. It's not you hard. Can... It's really not. Unless you, do, unless you get tired. Or... Anyway, so you feed the poor. <laughs> yep. And uh, oh, we pray for the poor. How many days a week do you do that? Three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and so nine you, to one. Nine to one, you go out and you find the homeless and the poor, and you look at them. Look at them. I'm looking at you. You look at them. So I, I'm having an interview, and he's yeah, not yeah, interviewing yeah, exactly. me. Yeah, yeah. So you go out and you you find the poor and you give them food. Right. And then we pray for them. You pray for them to and receive. We give them clothes. Yeah. Do you pray for them to get saved? Oh yeah. To meet Jesus. They know they can't. They know they're going to get prayed for. Do you see healings out there too? Quite often. Yeah. Yep, they like that. They, I like it too. They, when I, they, I like when they healed. come, when they come walking and they're broken, because when you see them, we've seen a lot of the people day after day after day, and then when you see them limping or just crying, literally crying, and you go, okay, here's another opportunity, Lord, and then we give them, we used to give them a prophetic word over it, what God says about it, and then we pray for them, and then the atmosphere just changes, and then they get better, and it's like I'm really excited, and then I don't see them anymore. But that's good. When they you get don't better. See, when when you I don't see him anymore, that's good. It's like, oh, okay. Homeless. The, 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 in the business of homelessness, that's like a job you, you want to be out of. Right. Because yeah. you don't want there not to be homeless people you need to reach. And so what, what, what we have Mike talking today. Here's what's super, super, super important. Do that otherwise we get the feedback. Yeah. Here's what's super important. In, in today's day and age, um, with an increased understanding of social consciousness, uh, with an increased understanding of um, social justice, people are uh, they're disconnecting social justice from the gospel. And um, be- before Christ, uh, human rights was, wasn't a thing. Mm. You just owned people, right? And, and just there wasn't a concept of human rights. And Jesus came along and said, listen, I know the way you used to work was like every man for himself. But now you got to care about other people. Like this is what God wants from you, and um, and so we can't disconnect social justice without without actually people being transformed into followers of Christ. Otherwise, Amen. it's just something to make yourself feel good, which yep. doesn't really help long term. It's just another way of being prideful. And so Mike is going to share the word of the Lord today because Mike embodies the gospel. He actually reaches the lost. He actually feeds the hungry, he actually clothes the naked, and visits the prisoner. And uh, I know he's got the word of the Lord today. We're in our Luke message here. He's going to carry it. So if you would, give it up for Mike Rantler. Thank you. Thank you. 
I don't know if I can stand up to that introduction or not. It's like every, a lot of people ask me that. I go, how can you feed the poor? I go, you take a pot of food and you cook it up and you put it in the car and you go feed the poor. It, wasn't, it was never difficult. God has always supplied just enough for what we need on our route. We've got a special route that we take. And um, it's in Pompano. It's right by where we go to jail. So it's a, I go to jail, and usually there's one or two men in the jail that I've already fed out on the street, which, like, brings me instant credibility amongst all the other guys. And I really appreciate you. I hate to see him in jail, but the jail for the homeless is like vacation. They got three got three meals, a cot, medical care. I know guys that get these little summons and stuff for trespassing, and then they save them up. And when it gets cold, they see they they get an officer mad at them, and then they run them, and then they take them to jail. You know, it's just just how the part of where they the way they live. They know if it gets cold, I'm going to do this and just planning out their lives. So we just try to help them a little bit, and uh, they like it. They really like us after a while because uh, they're hungry, and we try to meet their needs. You know, we're not doing it all. There's other people that come out also. Like the last two weeks, I know during uh, Christmas and New Year's, everybody's very generous to the poor, and then I get a little cranky. I go, where are you in July, you know? When it's 110 out here, and we're sweating. But I'm off those two weeks. I, I, I fed them a little bit before then. Lady Gilixu goes, I just want some water. I've been fed three times already today. And this is noon. As the day goes on, one of the guys goes, it's like a drive-thru here at Christmas. People bring in food. And it's like, oh, good. That means I'm off. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, one of the main things we do here is study the Bible in Luke 11, 9 to 10. These are the verses that uh, we're up to in Luke. And it says, so I ask you, and say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. I love these verses because right away Jesus responds. He goes, if you ask, you're going to receive. If you're going to seek, you're going to find. And if you knock, the door is going to be open. And I go, I can seek. I've looked in the Bible. I read it up. I go, hmm, that's easy. Doors will be open to me. I go, that's easy. When God's called us to do anything, and if you get an inclination, I should go out and do this, or I should, I should minister. We minister a lot to the single families up in Del Rey and four kids and all the stuff. And then people ask us for being a small church, why do you do, how do you do that? We go, because God's called us to do it. Amen. And that's what makes it easy. I've worked with people over the phone, Sylvie, right? And it's like when people get stuck, sometimes you get stuck. We're going to go over a way to help you out how to work with people. But when you get stuck, there's always somebody to help you. And you go, okay, God, I need some help. I need you to speak to me. And then all of a sudden, it's one of my other favorite verse, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. So he's going to speak to us. And I need to be speak to because, I mean, he corrects me a lot. You can ask my wife. I need to be talked to, you know. And sometimes my father, he goes, he... You know, he talks to us, and it really helps. But I found out one of the Jesus' first message, and it was in uh, Matthew 4, 17. It said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I think, I thought, oh, God. First time I read it, I go, okay, I'll repent. 
And then the second time I read it, I go, oh, I got to repent again? Oh, and then I got to repent again? And then I started finding out it means to change your way of thinking. And I go, ooh, that means God's going to do it for us every day. After a 40-day fast, Jesus had some good words for us. And it's change your thinking forever. Amen. Change your thinking. Because we always end up, no matter who we are and where we are, we end up getting God. Okay, this is what God does for me in my life. And then all of a sudden, he goes, oh, no, you got to change your thinking about that. Because he's bigger than anything we could ever think about. Um, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. And I said, I think of that daily. I go, oh, man, I want one big thing. I want more light. Jesus said he's the light of the world. I heard that. I want more light. I want more light. I want to be able to, as I walk along and we're talking with people and we're doing things and I want more life in my marriage. I want more life in my friends and in my family. Everything that I do, I want more light in because I need it. I need it because it's like, okay, God, you know, this whole world, it kind of takes us and they try to trick us into doing things for their benefit, not ours. And I'm there like, wait a minute. After a while, you know, I'm in my 70s, so I got it figured out. They're trying to trick me, you know? They're not telling me the truth, you know? Buy one, get one free, you know? But they doubled the price of the original one. Hey, you know, they're trying to trick us. They want to take money from my wallet and put it in there. You know, sometimes it's something you need or whatever, but a lot of times they're trying to trick us. And they're like, come on, give it up. You know, I've been doing this too long. But I can remember a time when I had no light. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, I was asked to just speak a little. And I started thinking about when I had no light. And I was really upset because I was bad. <laughs> um, the only way to put it is I was an evangelist for Satan. Anybody that wanted to get high, if they were near me, they were, they were high. They were going to get high. Whether, and I'd be blowing the smoke in their face. I, it was horrible. It really was. But that was also 1980. <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't like I did this yesterday or I just got saved two <laughs> weeks ago. This is 40-some years ago. And um, it, a miracle. I mean, two months, two months before I got saved, I mean, I was a little known in the some of the drug circles, and uh, you can ask my wife, I was, I was this close, this close to selling a ton of pot. If I'd have gotten that, I'd have made $20,000 in one night, and uh, I wouldn't have needed anything for the rest. Would have started a circle, and then the church ministries would have been coming to see me in jail eventually. <laughs> you get caught. You, I, I run into too many. We go to jail a lot, and you run into them all the time, but I was that close to it. But instead, a guy came up to me, Gary Mitchell, he's in heaven now, and he said to me, you know, God loves you. And I'm like, I was a good Catholic boy. And I'm like, yeah, so. He loves everybody. You know? But he, he was very patient with me. And Sue, so, I mean, he'd come to the house, and the whole house, you know, we're turning the fans on and stuff. We were turning the fans on. I mean, the house smelled like pot. Is it, you want to talk about a miracle that I never got arrested. That was it. It was on, 
I couldn't, I couldn't do the things I do now if I'd have had, you know. So it's like God was protecting me then from being super stupid, you know. And I, I can be super stupid. I can, you know. I mean, it was so bad. We liked to, we tried to get my mother-in-law stoned. <laughs> and she's like, she, she found a bag in our freezer. Sue's hiding. She found a bag of pot. We'd freeze it. And she goes, what are you putting in your grass? And I go, Mama, Grandma, that's real grass. She goes, really? You know, she, she was interested. She wanted to get high, but her husband said no. Been redeemed. We've been redeemed, though. We've been redeemed from all this stuff, you know? And a God high is like 14 times better. It doesn't cost half as much, but it does say you've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. And so I know at any point in time, I can whip on a little bit of music, and I can sit there and calm down, and it's like I'm in a different place than I've ever been in my whole life because God will take you away because he's promised it. All our pain, all our suffering, you know, everything that the drugs was trying to take away is now gone. Gone. Problems gone. Sin, almost gone. Almost. It took Gary six months to get us to accept Jesus. It was the most patient man I've ever seen in my life. And the best part about it was God delivered us instantly of pot. I mean, we were, I mean, I'd roll before, I was working 11 to 7. So before I got up, the last thing I'd do before I left the house was roll two joints so I'd have something on the way home. Gone. Gone. If we ask God and just go, you know, gone. He doesn't want us to be any distracted from him. Anything that pulls us away from him, he will cause it to dissipate. You know, and I see it with the poor, and I see it with the guys in jail, and I see it at the, we go to the assisted living facilities, and God sets them free no matter where they are. We had one lady there. I just thought of her this morning. She hadn't walked in 20 years, and we prayed for her, and we prayed for her. We prayed for her for about an hour, and all of a sudden, she got up and started, it was a little wobbly, but she walked, Hallelujah. right? And we're freaking out because we're excited that she could walk. But then she didn't want to get back in her chair. And I'm there like, oh, my God, if she falls, they're going to sue me. (laughs) So it's like all this stuff comes through your head. But God wants people set free. And if we align ourselves, and sometimes it's really, we didn't plan on staying. We went almost every Sunday night. And we were getting around 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I go, KFC closes at 9. I need to get out of here by 8.30 so I get my chicken fingers, you know. And it's like. But we had to pray for her because she was there and I was late. It's always an inconvenient thing. When you're moving for God, all of a sudden it's going to seem like, well, it isn't exactly how I planned it today. And then you just go with him and then you get to see miracles happen. And, you, and we're there like, huh. And I'd be like, it's not me. God, people that know me, they go, no, it's definitely not Mike. Because <laughs> it's, I know most of you just seen me in my church life, but... Uh, One thing I understand, that God's love for us is a little bit better every day. In um, Revelations 4, 8, and 9, it's uh, my other favorite verse. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered their eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. And I think about them, we talk about them a lot in jail. It changes the atmosphere. When we start going, holy, holy, in Isaiah 6, it says the same thing. 
It's the only place in the Bible where holy, holy, holy is used three times in a row. Because God's the only one that's holy, holy, holy. And if we want his holiness to come, we just have to ask him, God, I want this. I want to be like those cherubims, whatever, with eyes all around. I want to see more than I've ever seen before. But now I get the privilege of evangelizing for Jesus. And I have seen, we were talking over with a guy the other day. And I've talked to a few people before. I've, a lot of people. I've never had anybody come back to me and say, no, thank you, Mike. This was the worst decision I ever made in my whole life. How could you have let me accept Jesus? I've never had a person come back and tell me that. I've had people come back and tell me the other way around. But nobody's ever been disappointed with Jesus. And I'm like, I can rest in that. I know I can tell. 1 John 2 I think it's the second or third verse. It said, Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. He paid for the sins. So no matter who I talk to or when I talk to them, I know that their sins are paid for. If they will just agree with it. All you have to just agree with it. I just know that. He said, uh, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one who paid for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. So anybody I talk to, I go, (laughs) no matter how big, Bad, strong. Sometimes we see unique people out on the street or in jail. And it's like their sins are covered. I have that guarantee. It's a guarantee. And once we start walking knowing that guarantee, we change everything. In um, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the big thing there is to go. Therefore, go. Everybody here got here somehow? So when you leave, you're going to go. So when you go, go do something for God in the process. Because he will set you up for it. It's crazy how he sets it up. I mean, I had a nephew in this week. And... His children were raised with me. I was there a lot when they were babies and stuff. And I took them to this place that had golden arches on it or something. McDonald's, yeah. And they loved the playground there and everything. We'd to the playground and we'd play. But they would not let me leave until I've told somebody about Jesus. And now they're 15, 13, and 8. And it's like, oh, wow. We're sitting there eating. The phone rings. June. Scam call. So I put it, we'll call you later. Not gonna, but so we're sitting there eating the wings. I mean, does anybody respond to their? I don't. I was trying to call somebody else and I hit that button and it was a lady that was taking care of census workers. It was just last Wednesday and I'm there like, hmm, this is interesting. I go, no, that's not me. You're no census government worker. Nope. She goes, I don't know why. I called you in the first place. I go, I know why you called me. I go, so I could pray for you. And the lady goes, oh, okay. She started telling us all this little stuff. And then all of a sudden, I did something I call taking people's spiritual temperature. I took her spiritual temperature. She was a good Lutheran lady, I found out. Had no idea she was going to heaven. We got done with the phone call. And I did the whole thing on speaker so everybody could sit there and listen. People need to be taught how to do it. Because the enemy does not want you to know how easy it is where 
when the people get up in the morning, they're going to hell. And by the time they go home that night, they're going to heaven. God does that. And he's still doing that. I have, uh, the big thing we have to do is ask for souls. It said in the beginning of the verse, ask, seek, and knock. Well, there's 7.9 billion people in the earth. And from my experience around here, it's like one out of ten know Jesus or could give me that answer. There's a lot of people out there that will tell you they're Christians and everything. And that's why when I use my little method that I use, I don't use the words born again or saved. And I just ask them questions. And then they tell me, they usually tell me the truth. And then they're usually disappointed when they find out they're not going to heaven. But one out of ten. So you stand there and you go, one out of ten? Hmm. I can count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So there's nine people available for every per- one person I see. It's easy. That's everywhere you go. We just had a waitress. I can't use her name. She was really open. I'm there like and a buddy of mine that was with me. He was from Kansas City. And he goes, Mike, you get so much low-hanging fruit. Mike, it's like it's unfair. I go, yeah, I know, but that's okay. It's because I asked for it. God, I want to be involved with people that are hungry for Jesus but don't even know it. She had three kids, and she was raising them on her own. And, and then all of a sudden, my wife looks at him and goes, how big of a tip I should give? I said, very big, honey. You know, so it's going to cost you. When you start leading people to Jesus, it's going to cost you. And if you go to a restaurant, and if you do it, you know, there's one guy that says double your amount. You know, I'm not at that point yet, We're not, but I still give a lot of money. I make sure it's, you know, where it says 20%, we give 40%. And it's like, boy, she was really happy. She, was, she goes, oh, these people mean what they say. Don't, if, if you're going to talk about Jesus, be prepared to leave a 40% tip. You know, because... These people, that's how they make their money. You want to bless them? And then God will go, anybody that lends to the poor helps God. And he's like, here, have some more. He'll go, here, have some more. He'll, he'll set you up for more people to do it with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I went through a seminar once about want to do things in the kingdom. And I go like, hmm, I like to do things in the kingdom. And all of a sudden the guy goes, he was having people get up and go, well, what do you want? And I go, well, I want to fish a lot, and I want to, around the world, and I want to lead people to Jesus. He goes, well, how many? And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to, he goes, well, how many? And I go, five million. And he, and he, he grabbed on it quicker than I did, and I'm there like, I'm really working at it. I want to see five million people saved before I pass into the kingdom. And God's letting me do it piece by piece. I don't care if it's one by one. I actually, I wrote it down, I, I had a school in Illinois, they were uh, high school students. They'd go out on evangelistic things, and they wouldn't win anybody to Jesus. They were trying to scare it out of them, you know. Repent, repent. And I go, I'll teach them. There was 100 kids, and their parents came. I started getting really nervous there when their parents were there. And I took them over, taking people's spiritual temperature. I have no idea what the results are. I really don't. I've never, I've asked them. And um, I don't think they were ready for me. <laughs> it was a Baptist church. So it's like, they weren't. They weren't ready for me. But they, all the kids knew it. The kids really took off with it. But the parents, so I don't know how far they let them or anything. But anywhere I have an opportunity, I go to other churches, and it's really funny. I go dressed like Josh does, you know, with a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. 
I wear pants because I honor you guys. That's it. You know that. <laughs> Who is it? Brandon goes the other way. He goes, huh, you're on stage today. Huh? You got pants on, Mike. <laughs> I usually don't. But then I go and I sit in the back of the church and people try to get me saved. You know, then I get up. And it's really funny when that happens because they look at you. And it's so much on appearance these days. And I don't look like a guy that's saved. But that's okay. God's promised them to me. One of the biggest things when we ask, I like to ask and ask and ask God. You know, I got a more prayer list than I pray every day sometimes. But the first thing I like to ask for is our families. Everybody's got a family member that's not saved. And they go, okay, God, you promised. You promised. Sometimes you got to wait. My little sister up in New Jersey. I was wondering if I could tell us. Yeah. She uh, really stubborn again. So I'm praying and praying. I wake up, and God says, go down and talk to her. It's 6 o'clock. And before she even had her cup of coffee, she prayed and accepted Jesus. You know, and I'm like, oh, look at this, Lord. You knew when she was. And then right afterwards, it's like, well, is this one saved? And is that person saved? I go, I'm not the judge. I'm not the, I don't make these decisions. All I'm doing is telling you. And she goes, oh, that's, she was real glad about that. So she was like, oh, God will give you the time and the opportunity when it's right. So don't get frustrated with it, because a lot of people, I'd say 20% walk away from me right away. But Jesus did say to us, back to our families, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you should be saved in your household. So I can grab a hold of that, and I don't let it go. Amen. I'm not going to, Jesus said my household. All of a sudden, my household got really big. Anybody that eats at my house is in my household. Anybody that I feed is part of my household. So I don't think Jesus is going to say, Mike, that was too big of a household. No, I don't think so. Claim whoever you want. Bring them into your household because eventually they're going to give it up. They may go kicking and screaming. I'm fine with that. I, I've seen, you know, people love to argue with me about it. And I'm there like, not going to do it. I'm not going to discuss your disagreements because they like to disagree with you. Anytime we do, we ask. How do we ask, seek, and knock? How do we do it? Every day I ask God. I seek God, and I knock on other people's doors. In Romans 2.4, it says, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness or the restraint and his patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So at some point, things are going to be going well for them, and you're going to be able to slide it in. But unless we slide it in, they'll never know. They will never know. I came across a guy, and he, I was telling him about it, and he looked at me like a cow looking at a new gate. And I'm there like, people haven't heard that God loves them. I mean, he really loves them. I go, he murdered his son, so we get to go to heaven. And then people go, Ugh. Then they get really offended. And I go, like, well, that's what he did. Changes everything. But I say, seek him. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. So God's promised to provide it for us. We don't have to work for it. All I have to do is just say, Okay, God, I know how to do this. In two minutes, we're going to go over a little list, and then you'll be able to see how the process that I use. But the biggest thing I use is seeking him, and then... I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice, I will open the door. I'll come in with him, dine with him, and he with me. 
So more than anything else, Jesus wants to eat with us. He wants to hang with us. So it's like, okay, Jesus, I need your help now. And you know what? He does. Right now, part of the knocking on your hearts is giving out our spiritual temperature. This is what I do personally. I have uh, developed this over many years. Evangelism explosion, every conference on soul willing I could go to, Reinhard Bunke's School of Evangelism. It, that was the best one. I went to Reinhard Bunke's School of Evangelism and is teaching you how to do crusades and everything. I was a little disappointed to a degree. I wanted to, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the weeds. I'm in, I'm in the one-on-one stuff more than crusades. I've done a few crusades with people down here. And uh, people like one-on-one. So we're at Reinhardt's, and there's all these hotshot preachers and stuff there. And we had, there was 100 of us. We had five rows of us. And I was the last one in the last row. And all these guys are fighting to get in the front row. I want Reinhardt to pray for me first. I want Reinhardt. And I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm way I'm just standing there. We had to pick up all the chairs. It wasn't a room too much bigger than this. And all of a sudden, he walks past everybody and prays for me first. And I'm now like, and he looked at me, and we've had a couple conversations during, and he goes, Mike, compel them to get saved. And I'm now like, I can do that. I heard the word from a guy that's led 70 million people to Jesus. I think I'll take his advice. Oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Because I, I do a thing called treasure hunts, and we go out of the street, and a lot of times you get halfway through it, and, oh, I got to go. People, you know, the enemy distracts them. And then I've learned to say, no, 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 you've given me two minutes. Give me one more. And 90% of the time, they stay. It's like, oh, okay, you just have to compel them. And I'm like, oh, okay, I could do that. Because I was taught, uh, Holy Spirit's a gentleman and all this. And it's like, yeah, he is, but he likes to get people get saved. So they still have a choice. I'm not putting handcuffs on them and telling them to stay. But I'm compelling them at every point. One of the first things that I've learned about the Holy Spirit about this is their spirit, the people walking around, their spirit didn't say, well, we're going to get saved today and kick out Satan and start walking with God. Not at all. So it's a shock to their spiritual system. So I try to be as kind and as gentle and loving as I can once we get in the process because you catch a lot more bees with honey. You do. And it's like, even in the kingdom, people, you know, I, I see them out there at the bus station. I've seen people with microphones screaming all day, and I'm handing out food going, phew, I wish they'd shut up. <laughs> this is aggravating me. <laughs> and I love you, Jesus. But it's like people think by screaming and yelling at people that they need to get saved, they're going to get saved. I go, no, when you, I was feeding them. And then as I feed them, I go, hey, could I pray for you? And then I. What do you need from God? And then they go, okay. And I pray for that. I said, let me take your spirit. And then all of a sudden they talk to me. And I talk to them. And it's, then they get saved. And then they're happy. And it's just getting a little practical experience. We have to understand when we talk to people about Jesus, it's a shock to their spirit. It really is. And people go, because they've walked their whole life in this, and the enemy has probably known their family line, and he's trying to take them to hell. And all of a sudden, you bring light, and I go, okay, a little more light here. We could use it. 
because I've had people argue with me through the whole time, and as we're going through the process, I'll tell you as we go through it. I had one young man, we go to FAU, one young guy over there, led him to Jesus. He's all pumped up. We used to go on Thursday nights. He came back the next Thursday night. He goes, I want to do this. Sure. I gave him that same sheet that you guys have in your hand. And he went up into the student union. About an hour later, he came back with seven band members. I go, how did you do this? He goes, I read the sheet to him. It's not hard. You know, one thing I, I found out more than anything else, it's God's word that gets him to Jesus, not me. All I'm doing is giving it to him. It's God's word. Sets everybody free. I, I did ask him how, and he said, well, we read it all to him. And he said, don't be afraid to ask the question as you're talking with people. You know, and you put it in your heart. We're gonna, I'm going to lead some, you know. Do you need any prayer for anything? And the people tell you something or whatever. Other people just won't ever respond. About 10% won't respond. They're not ready. I am not going to tell a person how to get to heaven if they're not ready. Because then they're going to be nothing but those nagging Christians. Nope, I don't. If somebody doesn't want to hear it, they walk away from me. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll catch you next time. Somebody else will catch you or you're going to hell. One or the other. It's sad. It is. But if they don't want to hear it, I'm not going to push it down their throats. There's too many people that have done that. So out of kindness, I do it. I find, try to find the kindest way. And then I ask them, can I take your spiritual temperature? I go, yes, two questions. There's no wrong answers. You put them at ease. You can't fail the test, even though we know they did. <clears throat> I had one girl at FAU. I said, can I take your spiritual temperature? She goes, don't touch me. I said, I'm not going to touch you. Because <laughs> people think, you know, people are wacko these days. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you'll hear it all. The more you ask that question, can I take your spiritual temperature? Some people will, you know. And then other people just turn around and walk away right then and there. I, I don't have to spend my time on them then. But then I take them to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I go, hey. If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Most people say yes, probably 70 to 80%. And I go, well, if you died tonight and you saw the father and he said, why should I let you in? What would you tell him? And they, then the answers come rolling. Whew. The biggest one is, hey, I just had it. I, got it. I just had it. A pastor I know at a church that we we're feeding his parking lot. And his brother had a trailer there. And we were serving beanie weenies that day. And he goes, I go, you want some beanie weenies, some water? Yeah, yeah. He was working on lawn service. He was always hungry. And then I took a spiritual temperature. And he looked at me and goes, I've done more good than bad. He was very proud of that. And I go, well, how much good do you have to do? He goes, why? I go, well, one time my thing is when my goodness is full, then I don't have to do this anymore. It doesn't work that way, sorry. It's not a good or bad thing. And Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. And people get shocked. Um, a lot of Catholic people struggle with this verse because they've been working their whole lives to get to heaven. So be as kind as you can to them through the process. Because they figure, well, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And I really appreciate you've done all that. 
But God says it's a gift. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all of your sins. That's how you get to heaven. And they're like, some people get mad because they want to earn their way. Because everything in this whole world is earning. And then I go past that. I go, okay. I let them talk. And then I go. And a lot of people want to tell you a lot of stuff once you start evangelizing with them. And then what I do is I say, okay, hold on, hold on. It's my turn to talk. And a lot of times that works. And then I take them to Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, do you believe that? And 90% of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. And then I take them to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. And it's like, boom. I cross off the word world, and then I write their name right there on the paper. And that changes everything. It gets really personal. And the people, either you'll get a good reaction or a bad reaction. Well, I'm not, you're not allowed to change the Bible. I've heard that about five million times. I go, I didn't. Are you in the world? He goes, yeah, okay. There's your name. I'm not changing it that far. I just want to get personal with the people. I had one guy. We were at a Brazilian church down at Pompano, Claude. After I put, for God so loved Claude, he had been to more messages and stuff. After A lot of people, after they feed the poor, before they feed the poor, they give them a little message and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, I wrote down, for God so loved Claude. For the next three months, every Sunday after church, he wanted to give his testimony that now he knows who Jesus is. And it was really aggravating. <laughs> it was. You know, it was good the first, second, third time. And, but it's like, oh, my God. Okay, Claude. Okay, Claude. You know. Okay. I was away on vacation, and somebody called me. He said, Claude died. And I go, oh, man. He was out panhandling on Federal Highway. And somebody hit him doing 60 or 70 because they knocked him 70 feet. And I thought, wow, these decisions are life and death. There is life and death in these decisions. I make it as tender and everything, but it's life or death. You know, if I hadn't have reached him, maybe God would have sent somebody else to reach him, but Claude needed to know that God included him in the world. A lot of people do not know where it says, for God so loved the world, that it's them too. They're in the world. They always try to, oh, that's the world. That's out there. But people need to hear that. Claude's story again. Good. Good. I'm just checking my notes, make sure I cover everything. What do I got? Is that four minutes behind or four minutes after? Oh, I'm four minutes late. I call this our insurance policy, John 10, 28, and 29. And I tell them because there's a lot of churches that tell people they have to do other things besides accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so I'm there like, no. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And I literally, I, I try to, Jesus grabs your right hand. And then he goes, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one's able to snatch him out of the father's hand. He touches the other hand. And I go, use what you have. There's no failures. Use what you got. God's given a heart for everybody else. Everybody here, majority of you know Jesus. If you don't, we're going to give you an opportunity in a couple minutes to accept him. But use what you got. I always write down their spiritual birthday on that second cheat sheet. And then I sing to them. Happy birthday to you. And they laugh. They like it. People, people like to get celebrated. They really do. You know, Sylvie comes out to me and she sings like an angel. And they're like, this is really good. I want her to sing over me. Hmm? No, I didn't get there yet. Thank you. 
Mm-hmm. Thanks. One of the big things as you're going through the process is people are going to ask you questions that you don't know the answer to. And you know what I tell them? I don't know. And they go, oh, you're supposed I go, I don't know. I don't know. And they go, oh, somebody's honest with them. When you, when, and they will. The biggest one is judging. Um, who's going, uh, is Hitler going to heaven? Uh, I don't know. Do you? I'm not the judge. Jesus hadn't said, Mike, you can judge Hitler. <laughs> or whoever are the person they bring up. They always try to pick up the worst person they can find. And then I go, I don't know. I know God's grace. But I don't know. I don't know. I do not use the words born again and saved. One of the big things that uh, people use those words a lot, but they don't know the Father, and they don't know the Son, and they don't know Holy Spirit. That's why when I ask them these questions, we want them to be honest. And 90% of them will be. And then you get to pray with them. And Jesus, it's real simple. We pray, Lord Jesus, because you died on the cross, paid for my sins, I'm sorry for my sins, and I take that free gift of eternal life. And then I have make a declaration, I'll follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. And then all of a sudden, they're different. They've got a different life. They've got a different life. I've had a lot of uh, jail guys where their whole life got flipped right then and there. One of the, one of the poor guys, one of the crankiest guys out there, a guy was with me, and we'd feed him, and he'd get mad. You're feeding me because I'm poor. I go, Yeah. So, but he was just really cranky all the time. He prayed, and then it was like he was like a new guy. Jesus said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are come new. Jesus will do that for whoever we're talking to. He loves them more than we love them, and he promised to make them new. And I was at the beach this week. Some people wanted to take their picture of me with them. They thought I was some mystical character or something. I couldn't believe it, you know? It's like, no, I know who it is. But I use it. People call me Santa all the time. And I go, I take advantage of that 100%. And they're like, eh. I do it. And then I remember that lady from Honduras. She was a dentist. But she couldn't even get into the schools here. I gave her bad advice. But I said, eh. After she got saved and everything, I said, go to Miami and open up a clinic. They'll never catch you. <laughs> they knew I was kidding. They knew I was kidding. But we got to do things. You got to make it, you know, so you know that they've got a real issue. People will bring the strangest issues to you when you're praying for them. After you get done, then, you, then I come to them. Well, since you've had a little time to think about it, what would you like me to pray for? What I like to do is use what you have and you'll have no failures. All of a sudden, God comes rushing in and you'll have no failures. You may think it's going to go different, but I go, some people you get the first base, some people the second, third, and others are home runs and you get them. But you get to invest a little bit in them and they find out that God loves them. Because one thing that every Christian has is fruit of the Spirit. And I know that. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So I'd like everybody to stand. We're going to pray together. And then there's always somebody out here that needs to know who Jesus is. So I ask, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? 
I didn't hear that many yeses. Good. Uh-huh. We could take care of that right now. So if you got there, what would you say to the Father? Why he should let you in? Okay, that's good. And some people don't know what to say. It's like, oh, God, he's got me on the spot. Sorry, God put you on the spot. I'm just an instrument. So what we do is we ask, you know, would you like to go to heaven? There you go. Okay. Let's just pray together to make sure. Because he said, he promised it. So I said, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together out loud. Lord Jesus. Because you died on the cross. Paid for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. And I take that free gift of eternal life. Jesus. I'll follow you always. Amen. So right now, we take away all fear of using that verse. We let people go. I give you the amount of abundance of being able to say, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And you go, my main goal is to make sure you get to go to heaven. 90% of the people go, oh, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. So it's like, oh. And the biggest thing I can say, love them. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. It never fails. The more love you can express going through the process of leading somebody to Jesus, the more they'll have a better understanding of what God wants to do with, with them. And everybody's an individual. They're that special to God. So if anybody would like to uh, have more of that, uh, we're going to be available to pray for people. If you want to have more of an evangelistic spirit, we know that it works when you pray for people. I've had as many people as I can to pray for me. And I know it works. So if anybody would like to come forward. Amen. Hey, Mark chapter 16. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Those are the words of Jesus. We prayed before service that we want the real Jesus in this church. We yep. want the real, raw real. Jesus. We're not looking for the popular Jesus. We're not looking for the, 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 the marketing Jesus. I'm not looking for the sanitized Jesus. We want the real Jesus. Amen? Mm-hmm. And the real Jesus said to his disciples, stand next to me. She's going to take a picture of us. We're going to look real good on the website. So the real Jesus said uh, that we're supposed to go into the world and preach the gospel so that people can be saved. That's us, the believers. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're not a believer yet, hey, guess what? Today is your day. day. Mm -hmm. Amen. But if you are a believer, you have work to do in the world. It's not your job to get the entire world saved. Some of you are going to do what Mike said. You're going to go through the spiritual temperature. You're going to see people get saved all around you. The rest of you are going to say, hey, I know somewhere where you can meet God. I know a place where you can come and meet God and experience his presence. Can you say amen? And you're just going to bring them to church. You're going to invite them. You're going to buy them some coffee. You're going to pick them up. And when you get to heaven, you're going to see people in heaven who would not have been there without you. Amen. Amen. That, hey, come on, give it up. That's a good word right there. I am looking forward to seeing the fruits of my labor on the other side of eternity, aren't you? Oh, amen. Mike's going to have a big old house in heaven. Everybody's lots invited. Lots of visitors up in his house. Everybody. Lots invited. of visitors in his house. So here's what we do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And please, put, put out your hands like God's going to give you a gift. Father, we pray that you would trust us with those who don't know you yet. Yeah. That by your spirit, you would bring them into our sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And that we would not be fearful just to tell people that God loves them. And we would not be fearful 
to share this gift that's on the inside of us. So for those of us who've been evangelists in the past, you provoke provoke that spirit again. For those of us who've been too fearful, that your love would overshadow the fear. Father, give us divine appointments this week with people who need to hear your word and experience your love and freedom. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen, amen. Give a clap off for the Lord, if you would, and for Mike. Before you go, two things I want to challenge you with. Two things I want to challenge you with. Uh, If you feel like you feel called to either respond to this message and have Mike just, you want to make sure you're going to heaven. Uh, when everybody starts leaving, just come on up to the front. Mike's going to pray for you. Uh, also, if you feel like I, that's what I need to be doing, I need to be winning to souls. I need to be praying for people. This is what God has called me to do. I also want you to come forward so Mike can pray for you. That's number one, right? Number two, let, let's begin to pray in our lives. We're going to start our 21 days of prayer next week. Let's begin to just really pray, God, we want to see your kingdom come in my life mm-hmm. and in our families. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the peace of God and have an amazing week. If you need anything, just hit us up. We'll be here at the front. Yeah, yeah. Give a clap offering to the Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.